الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وضرب الله مثلا كلمه طيبه كشجره طيبه اصلها ثابت وفرعها في السماء تؤتي اكلها كل حين باذن ربها ويضرب الله الامثال للناس لعلهم يتذكرون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الايمان بنعو وسمعون شعبه فافضلها قول لا اله الا الله وادناها بما تقول اذا عن الطريق والحياء شعبه من الايمان او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مسبكتن مدرسه السفلس قائد القران الشريف الله تعالى جيف ذا ديسكريبشن of the tree of iman that that is an example of the tree of iman allah tala says that wadarabullahu mathalan kalimatan tayyiba allah tala gives the example of the kalima tayyiba the kalima of iman iman itself that the example of this is kashajaratin tayyiba like a very beautiful excellent tree pure tree very healthy tree a tree which is asluha sabit its roots are firmly embedded deep down in the ground wa far'uha fi as-sama and its branches are high up in the sky and then allah tara says to ti ukulaha kull hinin bi izni rabbiha that this tree of iman it gives off its fruit every moment it's not a seasonal tree it gives its fruit all the time so this example that allah tala is giving to us of the tree of iman that iman is being described like a tree and a tree obviously it has its roots if its roots are not firmly embedded in the ground then it won't be able to remain it'll get uprooted so likewise the lesson that is being given to us is this iman iman must be very very firmly rooted into our hearts it must not be something that just they very very superficially just in name it must be very deep and very firm deep down in the hearts the aqaid and the beliefs are being referred to that our aqaid need to be very well grounded Nowadays unfortunately there are so many things that come around so many isms so many things that people are picking up from the internet and picking up from magazines and books which are authored by we don't even know who what are the views of the person whether is that person really on the ahlus sunnah or jamaah the person has the correct aqaid what kind of life that person is leading sometimes a person has written something some article which seems to be a very very scholarly article something very deep in terms of deen but then when the person his reality is then found out later it turns out the person is sometimes not even a muslim 
He himself doesn't call himself a Muslim. So why did he write the article? He was an Orientalist. He wrote the article for some other purpose, whatever his objective was. But somebody reading this person's work and becoming impressed, now he's going to start taking everything. The one article sounded very good. Everything might have been above board. But then the second, then the third, by the fourth time, the poison is now creeping in. Because he's now putting in all different things in front. This is the danger to Iman. And unfortunately nowadays with social media and with things flying around on the internet, people are having access to anything and everything without realizing where things are coming from, who is the sender and how authentic this is and we are reading everything. And that's leaving doubts in the minds of people, they are becoming confused. This is a very dangerous thing. We should become very conscious about this. So the first thing that is being the message that is being given to us here is that our aside we have to be very protective over it. And we have to look after our Iman very deeply, very well. The Iman must be very well rooted. That tree that is has its roots deep down in the ground, sometimes there's a huge storm, there's gale force winds. But that tree that is deeply rooted, it might just be butted in the wind this way, that way for a while, but it remains firm. When the storm is over, it's like nothing happened to the tree. But a tree that is not well rooted, its roots have dried up perhaps, or whatever the problem is, and there's a storm, you see the tree lying across the road. So likewise, there are these storms that come against Iman also. The tsunami sometimes hits. And a person who is not well rooted in Iman, somebody is talking some fancy talk in a very, very glib tongue and people get carried away. And the next thing is that person's Iman is in danger. So therefore, this Iman is something that we have to be very, very protective over, guard this Iman very jealously. We cannot take chances with our Iman. We don't take chances with our life. We should be even more careful about our spiritual life. So the first lesson in this was that this Iman must be very well rooted. And in order to make sure that we are correct in our Iman, our Iman is clear, it is pure, there isn't anything that is adulterated in it, anything mixed up in it, some wrong ideas in it. From time to time we should be checking with the experience and Kiram. Whenever there is some kind of slight doubt also, we should be inquiring what is the correct thing to take in this regard, what is the correct view here, what is the correct direction. Otherwise, we will just keep taking things from here, there and everywhere and in the end we don't even know where we are. So the first thing was the Iman being very well rooted. The other thing about the tree is that if the tree, mashallah, the roots are deep down in the ground and the seed is planted well, but for some reason it's not bringing out, the tree is not surfacing out of the ground. So who knows there's even a tree there. That tree is only really going to be called a tree when it's now come forth, the stem has come up, that has become a good strong trunk, the branches have grown, there's leaves on the branches, there's flowers on the tree, and then there's fruit, the tree is giving shade, and somebody sees it also, they are attracted to the beautiful tree with the flowers, and somebody eats that fruit in another part of the world also, they become so, uh, uh, enjoy, they enjoy it so much, 
because the fruit is export quality. So the tree is sitting in one part of the world, but the fruit are being enjoyed in another part of the world. That is a tree. And that is what is truly a tree. Now this is the kind of tree that Allah Ta'ala is asking us to have of Iman. Mashallah, the Iman is there in the heart. But is that Iman <coughs> being expressed in the form of all the person's amal, the actions, and all the aspects of life. This is the message that we have been given here, that this tree must become a tree in reality. It must not just be a tree in name, or just a seed planted deep down in the ground. It must bring forth its trunk and branches of ibadat. There must be salah in the life. There must be zakat that is being discharged, if it is applicable, if the zakat is for somebody, then they are discharging the zakat, somebody owns some jewelry, it's not just taken for granted, well, some haphazard value, if that haphazard value we took was overvalued, then finally safe, we paid something extra, but if it was undervalued, then we have made a major blunder because we have underpaid, and zakat is for us, zakat is the full of Islam. So therefore, this aspect of zakat, that amal must be there. If fasting in the month of Ramadan comes, the person is fasting. If it is time for hajj, and hajj is compulsory upon somebody, the conditions are all being fulfilled, then now the hajj is being performed. So all the amal, these are the faraiz, likewise the, the wajibat, the sunnat and and together with that some nawafil as well, because this is what enhances this bond with Allah Taala. A person has somebody working for them. Forget somebody working for them as a servant, as a maid. Even their own children. Now one child, he'll do whatever is required to be done. Whatever the khidmat that is necessary, he's there. But as soon as it's done, he's gone. He's out of sight. But again, you call for him, he's ready. He'll do whatever it is. The parent will appreciate it, mashallah. Whatever I ask my son to do, he's ready to do it. But then there's another son, who is not waiting to be asked to do something. He comes and he's all the time offering to do something. And when he is not being told something, he's still finding out on his own to go out of his way to make the khidmat of his parents. Now nobody is going to say that both are equal. Alhamdulillah, the first son also, mashallah, there is no time that he is being disobedient, he is fulfilling whatever the duties are, and whenever he is asked of anything, he is forever there to do it as soon as he is asked for, he is there. But there's a world of difference between him and the second son who's ready to do anything and everything and also making things to do. Now this is the difference that any parent can understand what kind of bond and relationship will build with the second child. This is the lesson we need to reflect on. That one is that person fulfills the faraiz only and together with that the wajibat maybe and then feels we've done or added to that maybe the sunnah de makkada and feel that we have done a great favor to Allah Ta'ala. Whereas, now we have done no favor to Allah Ta'ala, we are only doing ourselves a favor. But now we do that and feel we have done tremendously lot already, we don't need to do anything more. Indeed, this is the first, we can't compromise on that at all. But to start off with, what is the quality of our first? But together with the first, as best as we can, the real bond of love with Allah Taala develops via the nawafil. Because the first is first. That is something we have no choice in. 
We have to do that. But a person over and above the faraiz is fulfilling the sunnah muqqada, fulfilling the sunnah ghair muqqada also. And then together with that fulfilling some nawafil as well. Now this is something that is going beyond what is the call of duty as you may say. This is showing that extra attention. This is giving or expressing that extra gratitude to Allah Taala. This builds that bond of muhabbat. After all, Allah Taala is our creator. Allah Taala is our sustainer. Allah Taala is our nourisher. Allah Taala alone is allowing us to survive every fraction of every second. Every millisecond we are surviving purely on the grace of Allah Taala. If we are not sure about how great this grace of Allah Taala is upon us, then block our mouth and nose for one minute and see. Not that we should do it. Allah forbid that it causes some kind of problem. But if a person has to close his mouth and nose both together for one minute, one and a half minutes, and see what a kind of person the person, he might collapse. He might not survive. Don't try it. This alone shows us how dependent we are every second on the mercy of Allah. And what is our extent of gratitude? We performed our first. If we did that also, and we performed it very well also, then do we feel we've done a very great favor to Allah. Whereas what has we really paid Allah? Nothing we can pay. So some nawafil as well, we should have into our daily program, if we can, at least some two rakats, four rakats of Salat al-Ishraq, Oh, somebody now uh, is perhaps it's early summer, so now they go to have a rest again after Fajr. So five person wakes up at that time, read two rakats, Salatul Duha. Oh, after Maghrib, two rakats, four rakats, Salatul Awabin. Salatul Tahajjud is at the peak of it. That's at the heights. That's at the last part of the night. And Allah Ta'ala give him much, give courage. Somebody wakes up at that time, excellent. Otherwise, the least is after the Isha Farz and the two Sunnats, at least two rakats of nafil with the niyat of Qiyamul Layl and inshallah this too will be counted as tahajjud though it's not equal to the tahajjud at the late part of the night that is on another level that is a distinction pass but this too is like a 50% pass mark that a person passed already so at least the two rakats so some nawafil as well to develop this muhabbat with Allah so this tree of iman must have these branches of ibadat. It must have the seed of imam, it must have the branches of ibadat. And the ibadat are confined only to the faraid, but the wajibat, sunnat, and also some nawafid. Then together with the ibadat and the salah, the various forms of salah, also in the ibadat, in the nawafid ibadat, some tasbihat daily. The least is 100 times guru sharif, 100 times istighfar, this is the bare minimum, and together with that, the third kalima, if not the whole third kalima, at least Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. In the Hadith Sharif, it is mentioned, the person who recites Subhanallah wa bihamdihi hundred times daily. Is this much also? Then the person's sins will be forgiven, wa in kana mithla zabadil bahr. Even if it is equal to the foam on the oceans. How much of foam there is on the oceans? The minor sins will be forgiven even to this extent. Now how greatly we are in need of the forgiveness of our sins. And subhanallah wa bihamdihi a hundred times recite properly without haste won't take more than two, two and a half minutes. Then istighfar hundred times in the hadith sharif Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says Tuba 
Iman wajada fi sahifatihi istighfaran kathira. How fortunate is that person? Excellent. And there are so many other meanings. A tree in Jannah for that person who finds a lot of istighfar in his book of deeds. On the day of Qiyamah, it's filled with istighfar daily, hundred times. During the course of the day, the person is having istighfar. He is extremely fortunate. And the great is Jannah for him. So istighfar, hundred times istighfar also won't take more than one and a half minutes, two minutes. And then, hundred times Guru Sharif, Guru Sharif hundred times, this is to express our muhabbat for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa our appreciation to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa by asking Allah ta'ala to send his salawat and blessings upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Here again we do ourselves a favor, every duru the person decides, Allah ta'ala blesses that person with ten rewards, with ten blessings. So we are sending gurus upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa but we are benefiting ourselves really. Now all these three tasbihat, hundred times each, we are looking at six, seven minutes, eight minutes, maximum ten minutes. Out of one thousand four hundred and some minutes in the day, ten minutes for some tasbihat, some zikr, and this again to enhance our bond with our Creator, with our Rabb, with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. How many words does a person read on social media? Oh, whatever else we read. One day just do an exercise. Try and count the words that we read for the day. And we'll be shocked. It will run into maybe the thousands. Of what? Of this. One is if it was within the limits of permissibility. Not of it was just idols chatting and nothing constructive. One is something constructive, something of benefit. Even if it's dunyavi benefit, that too will say fine. But we're talking about just the totally futile. Totally futile things. And Allah forbid sometimes worse than just futile, it's haram, it's ghibat, it's backbiting, it's in all kinds of other sinful communication. And if we count those words that we read, it might come as a shock to us that we've read thousands of words. Thousands of words that are harmful to us. We take Allah's name a few hundred times and that too we're spending five minutes, ten minutes in total. What a cheap bargain this is that in this manner we are creating this bond with Allah wa ta'ala and getting closer to Him. So this is something we should make part of our daily program. There should be no day that goes without this tasbihat. And so little time required really. And then over and above that during the course of the day, during the course of our work, our chores, etc. Every now and again, it will not be perhaps something we might be able to maintain all the time. Every now and again, every five, ten minutes, we recited Guru Sharif a few times. We recited Istighfar three times. One, two times Guru Sharif. What really does it make us? What effort it requires? No effort really. No time separately necessary. Why we bring about our work? And the barakat this will bring. It will bring that barakat in our homes. It will bring that barakat in our lives. It will bring that barakat in all our work. Together with this Tasbihat, some fill out of the Quran Sharif. So our Salah, our Azkar, Tasbihat, Tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif is extremely important that our day must have Tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif. Sometimes people haven't commenced Tilawat. Now somebody says, no, you must make Tilawat. They say, okay, one para, but one para, one juice is too much. Half juice is also too much. And then, okay, read one page. No, one page is too little. What's one page? So neither half para gets done and one page doesn't get done too. And a person does nothing. So start off with one page. Is that one page is also commenced with 
but regularly, diligently, in time, that one page will become two pages, and then five pages, and one para will get done also. So some tilaut of the Quran Sharif daily, these are the amal that should be alive in our, in our lives, and this is what will bring about this sea of iman coming forms. So one is this ibadat, that the sea of iman must have this ibadat in our lives, the branches of ibadat. Then together with the branches of ibadat, they must be the flowers of Mu'asharat, the leaves of Mu'asharat. The leaves, when there's leaves on a tree, those leaves give good shade. And a person inside the, under the shade of a tree, feels very comforted. It's boiling hot out, and even on a sultry day, a person goes under the shade of a tree, it is far more sweeter than the air-conditioned room. The air-conditioned room will be cold. It might be cool, might be cold also. And that's sometimes a painful kind of coldness. But the shade of a densely, a very leafy tree, it has its own enjoyment. Now this enjoyment is what Mashallah is all about. When a person has the, the aspect that Deen has taught about Mashallah. Mashallah, how does a person live with people? How do we live with people within our homes? Our own families? Our parents obviously, starting off with our parents, our spouses, our children, our siblings, our extended families. Now these are the things that Mu'asharat is all about, our neighbors. When a person loves the Mu'asharat of Islam, what Islam has taught, what is mentioned in the Quran Sharif, what the Subhanallah has taught us, then that Mu'asharat will give comfort, like that leafy tree. It will be sweltering hot out of others will be drowning in the perspiration, but the person in that shade of that tree is very comfortable. Likewise, there might be fires out there in the dunya, in people's lives, Allah Ta'ala protect us, Allah Ta'ala give afiyat to one and all, Allah Ta'ala remove these difficulties out of His grace and mercy. So many a times, there might be unfortunately these fires burning in many homes, but if we've learned the correct mu'asharat, there's a beautiful kitab of mu'asharat, Tamir Ali, Adabul Mu'asharat, the etiquettes of social life. This is something to be read, something to be understood. In the Beshti's ever, in the seventh volume, there's a whole portion dedicated to the Adab and Akhlaq and the aspects of Mu'asharat, etc. This is something to be read very well, understood well. We should be doing it as part of Talim of our homes. So if this Mu'asharat will be alive, we will ourselves be enjoying the benefit of it. We are going to be bringing the laws of Allah Ta'ala in our lives in terms of Mu'asharat. We will be getting the rewards for it and we will be getting the benefits for it. It's like somebody, he's buying something, so he gets the product that he bought. And together with the product, he's buying it, but the person selling it to him pays him for it. Can you imagine anybody doing this? They say, you're going to buy my car, the top of the range car you buy, so you bought the car. Now how much? He says, well, since you bought the car, I'm going to pay you 100,000. Where in the world will find something like this? You buy something, you take the product, you take the money as well. This is Allah Ta'ala's deen. Allah Ta'ala says, you buy the products, you take this masharat, you take this deen into your life, you take this akhlaq of the Surah al in your life, we'll pay you for it also, with our rewards, with our thawab, which will benefit from in akhirat. And you take the product and you enjoy the product in dunya already. Because the person who adopts deen, he adopts the akhlaq of Rasulullah he adopts the mu'asharat of Rasulullah the benefit comes to him. 
He enjoys that peace. The benefit comes to his own near and dear ones. They enjoy the peace. They enjoy the happiness. They enjoy the good and wonderful way in which somebody conducts himself. So it's like we bought the product and we got paid for buying the product. This is the beauty of our deen. So this martial is how to live with people. What is the way of living with people in a way that we maintain this happiness, we maintain these bonds. The nature of forgiving, overlooking, this is part of akhlaq, but the mu'asharat, all the various adab and etiquettes, the sum total of which is <coughs> that we don't cause any taklif to anybody. We don't cause any taklif to anybody, that is mu'asharat, and akhlaq is we learn how to digest the taklif of others. These are the two wings of the plane that make it fly. On the one side, we are conscious about not giving taklif to anybody else, and dunya is dunya, we could have sometimes encounter things from others. So that's what akhlaq covers now. Overlooking, forgiving, tolerating, and all the various aspects of akhlaq. And the person who got these two wings, they flying high all the time. And all whatever dramas are happening on the ground, they are way above it. Now that bird, whatever is happening on the ground, and so much of problems, but that bird is flying in the air, right on top, it's free of all those issues. So this is the beautiful sea of Iman that we have to bring alive. So the sea of Iman needs to be watered. The watering of the sea of Iman is with this Amal. person doesn't water the sea, it doesn't get rain, it's not drying up. The watering of this sea is the Amal that we spoke about. That Ibadat, the Faraid obviously the necessary, but this is the heart, Zikr, Tilawat, all this is the water for the sea of Iman. And this is what we have to keep doing daily. So this Maasharat, the leaves of Maasharat must come. Then the beautiful flowers of Maamalat, the correct dealings, that must come. That will affect others. How we deal with even our own servants. There's a lot of Maasharat involved there. There's a lot of Maamalat also. Sometimes the person has worked overtime. But now we took that overtime work, but are we compensating that overtime work correctly? So that's part of Maamalat. And that's the person's right now, that the person worked overtime, we asked for that overtime work to be done. So now we need to then compensate accordingly. And when that's not done, sometimes out of desperation for not wanting to upset the apple cart, the person might keep quiet also. But in the heart something is happening. And in the heart first it is bitterness towards the person. And then, well this is a Muslim, so Nauzubillah, because of the person's actions, that employee starts becoming bitter towards Islam and Muslims. Whereas the issue is one person, but the person starts becoming bitter towards Islam and Muslims because of the conduct of one person. Now, whereas if he adopted the, uh, the Muamalat, the Jeev has taught us of paying a person, for example, Qabla that pay the person before his sweat dries off. He did some work before his sweat dries. Now this is meaning that the work is done. So now pay him. Now there's a mutual arrangement that you get paid at the end of the week, end of the month, and accordingly, as soon as the due date is there, due time is there, there's no delay, pay in time. So these are all part of the mu'amalat. How we conduct our financial issues, totally clear above board. Now this tree of Iman must bring forth these flowers of mu'amalat. And the beautiful fruit of akhlaq. Everybody must get to taste and enjoy this fruit of akhlaq. 
So the student of Akhlaq is also extremely important, as you mentioned, the Beshti Jawar in the seventh portion, seventh part, there's a lot of discussion on Akhlaqiyat. You should read this and read it very carefully, read it with our families, try to practice it, bring it in our lives, listen to the talks of the Akhlaq and Ulama Ikram on the matters of Akhlaq and learn from it and try to implement this Akhlaq in our lives. This is what's going to be making this life in dunya like a little jannah for ourselves. This is that great fame of Allah Taala. We buy the product, but we take the benefit of it. We take the price of it also. The reward also we take, and for making amal, and we take the benefit of ourselves. So this tree of iman has to come alive. Now this is what the Quran Sharif Allah Taala gives us in this ayat of the Quran Sharif. The same message comes in the Hadith Sharif. In one Hadith, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gives the same example. That al-imanu bid'u wa sab'u wa shu'ba. That iman has more than 70 branches. Branches again we're talking about a tree. So now there are these huge branches of iman. And then Nabi Islam says, فَأَفْضَلُهَا قَوْلُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ The greatest branch of iman is la ilaha illallah. So this is the iman itself, the kalima. This is the important lesson in here of قَوْلُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Reciting la ilaha illallah. One is saying it, for the sake of testifying Iman and to believe it deep down in the heart but then to keep refreshing that Iman by repeatedly saying La ilaha illallah in the Hadith Sharif it is reported a person says La ilaha illallah hundred times daily the, this will cause the, the, the reward of this will be the person's face will be shining like the 14 moon on the day of Tiyam what a great benefit and bounty of Allah Ta'ala so Afdaluha qawlu la ilaha illallah then the Prophet says, وَأَدْنَاهَا إِمَاتَةُ الْأَذَىٰ عَنِ التَّرِيقِ And the smallest branch of Iman is to remove the harmful substance from the path. Something that will inconvenience others, something that will be harmful to others, is lying in the way, to remove it, to move it out, to clear the path. Now the path is an example. It means anywhere, anything, anywhere that will cause inconvenience. In our homes, this should be the way that we conduct ourselves and we teach our children to conduct themselves that nobody should be a source of taklif to the next person. And let alone not be a source of taklif, that is obviously there. If somebody else is responsible for something of taklif, we should be bringing the branch of Iman alive. And the branch of Iman is to remove that harmful thing from the way. Yet it's not a matter of, not my job, I'm not responsible for this, or I didn't do this. The issue is that I have an opportunity to bring alive the branch of Iman. Now this is no small thing, this is a very great thing, bringing alive the branch of Iman. So we should be teaching our children also to highlight this to them, that we take this great opportunity, we take the great reward of bringing alive the branch of Iman. So, وَأَذْنَاهَا إِمَاتَةُ الْأَذَاعَنِ الْتَرِيقِ Then Nabi Islam says, وَالْحَيَاءُ شُعْبَةٌ مِّنَ الْإِيمَانِ And Haya, Haya is a huge branch of Iman. شُعْبَةٌ أي شُعْبَةٌ عَظِيمَةٌ Haya is a huge branch of Iman. Now there are more than 70 branches of Iman. Nabi Islam mentions the greatest branch in La ilaha illallah. And then the smallest branch, smallest branch is no small branch. It's comparatively speaking the smallest branch, but that too is too huge for us to imagine. 
But together with the greatest and the smallest, there's only one other branch that is mentioned in this Hadith Sharif. And that is Hayat. More than 70 branches, but this is highlighted now. This is being specifically mentioned. So why this is being specifically mentioned? To highlight how fundamentally important this haya is. And when this haya gets eroded, when this haya is lost, then iman itself is in danger. You know, Hadith Sharif Nabi Salaam says that iman and haya have been joined. When one goes, the other will go with it. If every bit of haya has left, it's very difficult iman will remain. Iman will go also. Iman and haya coexist. They exist side by side. And the enemies of Islam know this very well. They've studied it. They've studied many things deeply about Islam. They've studied, for example, that in Palestine, if one goes Israel, one goes in this day and age, today one goes to Israel, one will find a particular tree that has been planted in big numbers, the tree of Gharqad. Now, this tree is not something that is very attractive as such, or gives any great fruits or anything. Now, they have planted this tree in abundance. Why? Because in the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned that close to Qiyamah, when the when Hazrat Mahdi will come down, and in any case, those who will oppose him, and then the Jews will also be in opposition, and this will take place when now, this battle will take place. So the only thing, even a rock will speak out, and it will say that this Jew is hiding behind me, come and take care of him, sort him out. But the only thing that will not speak out will be this gharqad, the tree. If a Jew is hiding behind him, whatever the reason for that is, that tree will not speak out. Now they studied it, they believe in it so much, and they are doing this, they are planting this tree all over the place. Just as they have understood this and they believe it, though they don't accept it as Iman, but they are convinced that this is something that will happen. So just as they are convinced about this, they have studied and have understood the Hadith Sharif which says, which says that Iman and Haya coexist. Now they want to rob the Muslims of their Iman. But now if they come to a Muslim, and they try to tell him that look you must give up your Iman, Inshallah, the Muslim is not going to accept that. Allah tell us, grace Inshallah that a person will remain steadfast on his Iman and he will reject this. So they now want to get to the Iman, the doorway of getting to the Iman of a person is via breaking down Haya. They've understood it from the Hadith Sharif. And that is why in a very systematic manner, Haya is being decimated, it's being broken down, it's being smashed down. If one thinks about it, let's just take one example, the example of dressing for example, that we go back maybe 25, 30 years, maybe a little bit more, 35, 40 years, and the dressing that was the norm in our homes, our families, our functions, and if you go back about 35, 40 years, <coughs> maybe around 40 years at least, Perhaps we might be able to count on the fingers of one hand the number of people, the number of women that adopted the cloak or the niqab. 
not to say that that should have been done. Unfortunately, it was not done. Unfortunately, it was not there in place. And the number of people that could have, that were adopting the cloak and niqab 35, 40 years ago, they could have been counted on the finger, fingers of one hand in any given place, in any city, any town, <coughs> on the fingers of one hand. That too, perhaps sometimes many places you might count zero. Maybe the bulk of places 40 years ago in this country, zero. Some places two, one, five. And they too always mocked somebody calling them ninjas and calling them all kinds of things. So that wasn't correct. But despite that not being there, the level of haya was still far greater than what is there today. And the haya in the general kind of dressing, though today there might be a cloak, but the haya in the dressing of that time was far greater than what it is now with all whatever else we have adopted externally. Otherwise, sometimes nowadays the cloak also has become a fashion statement. Now what has happened here? How did this degeneration take place? Sometimes we get this kind of questions coming. One woman, and it's not isolated, one woman wrote up to ask a question. And the question she's asking is that there's a function, a wedding in my family and uh, the whole, the bottom line of the question was that if I don't attend, will I be guilty of breaking family ties? Now she is concerned because there's so much of emphasis on maintaining family ties and so much of warning against breaking family ties, so she's concerned. But now she's asking if I don't attend this family function or I don't attend this wedding, would I be guilty of breaking family ties? So now why? What's the problem? Why you don't attend? Is there intermingling? Say no, there's no intermingling. It's all properly segregated. The men and women are not going to be able to intermingle at all. It's totally segregated. There's a complete separation in all that. So what's the problem? So the person's problem was that the manner of dressing, now she's going to be in a totally woman's gathering. There's no men there. There's no non-maharams coming in there. But she's embarrassed to be part of that woman's gathering because of the kind of dressing that the woman adopted. Now can we imagine what kind, or what level this has stooped to, that a woman is now embarrassed to be in that gathering. That this is shameless, this is indecent, it is immoral, and, but it's taken for granted, and the numbers are to such an extent, that it's not now isolated, that is in the face of every person there, so she is feeling very, very uncomfortable, so now she doesn't want to be there, she's just concerned will this be breaking family ties. It's obvious the answer was it's 100% necessary not to go in such a gathering, where there's so much of behayai, so much of uh, immodesty and shamelessness. Now the question again to reflect upon is, how did it fall to this level? From where to where, how could this happen, have happened? How did this come so low and stoop to such a level? This is being systematically done via the media, via all kinds of things, and it's a gradual process. The English and the enemies of Islam, they set out plans how to try and bring the downfall of Muslims. Our situation generally is, we plan something for, we must now have a one-year plan, or a two-year plan, or a three-year plan, within two, three years, five years, we must see the fruition of this. They make hundred-year plans. They know they won't be alive to see the end of it. But they make two hundred-year plans. And they've done this. 
And afterwards it came out from the archives that what was now being put in place was planned 50 years ago. It was being planned 100 years ago. But a gradual process was put into place to break it down one step at a time so that while it's happening a person doesn't even realize what's happening. And slowly people are taking it, taking it hook, hook line and sinker but not even realizing what they're taking. Because it's happening at such a gradual pace. And then when the time comes that they've brought things to the level where they want to drop it as, people can't even remember where we were once upon a time. Because it happened in such a gradual process, the new generation didn't even see the good of the old generation. Because when the new generation came in, the good level the old generation was, they already dropped many uh, steps down. So they never saw the good of it. They saw something very divergent. Then they diluted it further. By the time the third generation came, from that very, very modest dressing, the third generation was in jeans and tops. And that too tight fitting. And on top of that, they wore a scarf and felt that everything is fine. Now this is the Bihayai, and in front of the father, brother, uncle, grandfather, everybody is fine. There's no haya left in that home. And where to where things go to, and unspeakable things happen thereafter, Allah Ta'ala protects us and save us. This is the lesson that is being given here. We have to very, very jealously guard this haya. This haya leaves, it's very difficult to bring it back. Once, Prophet Muhammad Khan very great personality, passed away some 20-25 years ago. Uh, his majlis was taking place and somebody had to send some message, perhaps some lady had some important message to send, so she wrote a note. And she sent it with her two little young daughters, five years and six years old, whatever. So now those two little young girls came in, and they probably knew who they had to bring this note to, so now they came in. But now there was the Majlis was taking place, there were people all sitting there. So now as they're coming along, the one is trying to hide behind the other. Now how can you hide, two people walking, how can you hide behind one another? But that's what they're trying to do. And they came, and they gave this note, and they quickly in the same manner disappeared. So in any case, everybody observed this. Rajiv stopped the majlis. And he said, Dekha, everybody saw what happened. He said, Ya Haya. This is an inborn Haya. Why are they playing about it like this? They are small children, but they are ducking and diving because they saw this whole gathering of men here. Now, this is a natural Haya. So now they were trying to just conceal themselves in some way. So he said, Ye to Haya. And then he said something very, very deep. And he said, but you have to protect this haya. When it leaves, it's very hard to find it again. And that is why sometimes people start adopting different kinds of dressings, going to all kinds of gatherings. Now to reverse the process, some understanding comes, some realization comes. It becomes a very, very difficult thing. It requires a lot of himmat and courage. It requires somebody to truly understand the severity of it. Then they take the courage and they take the step forward. So nevertheless, this haya is something we have to be conscious about. We have to look deep down in our hearts and lives. Bring alive this haya. Protect the haya. Block out all those means that media and especially the television and all the other kinds of things that are going on and on the phones, whatever is coming through and all these magazines and the newspapers. All these things that are calculatedly breaking down the haya. We have to take these things and throw it out. We have to block this out. In this way we will protect our own haya, protect the haya of our children and 
This is what will protect our Iman. Because Haya is the safeguard of Iman. To the extent Haya will protect it, inshallah our Iman will be protected. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq that we bring this tree of Iman alive in our lives. Allah ta'ala give us the tawfiq of making amal on all the things that we said. I am most in need. Allah ta'ala give us the tawfiq, especially on this last lesson, that we make a concerted effort to bring this Haya alive again. Allah ta'ala bless one and all. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عاقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا المتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخذنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله